Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we explore the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics around the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, Diabetics Doing Things founder and 11-year type 1 diabetic. Help raise awareness for Diabetics Doing Things by sharing this with your diabetic friends. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Tag a type 1 friend today. This week's guest is Sarah Hannon, 22-year-old college student and 13-year type 1 diabetic. We talk about the challenges associated with making major life changes with diabetes, accepting that it's your diabetes as a teen, and the importance of loving yourself throughout the diabetic journey. Here, our guest, uh, special guest today is Sarah Hannon. Welcome. Hi. How are you today? Um, you know, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, and Sarah, I know you're uh, you're in school currently at uh, Coastal Carolina University. Yes, sir. Um, I'm really good, you know. Just kind of a rainy day here in South Carolina, but you know, plugging through near final, so trying to get that done too. <laughs> yeah, rounding up to the end of the semester. Uh, small world, kind of fun fact. I actually follow Coastal Carolina's athletic performance uh, Instagram account, CCU Performance. So, like, big, okay. big shout out to them. They're just like a funny uh, kind of like workout inspiration account that I somehow followed uh, about a year ago, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they, they, all their Instagram accounts are kind of funny. They, they get a kick out of that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to follow them all and kind of track what's going on on campus. Seems like a pretty fun place. Yeah, they definitely, they know how to hang out and have fun, but we get it done too at the same time. So that's good. <laughs> Great. So, uh, Sarah, we, you and I were just talking a minute ago. Uh, tell us a little bit about your diabetic story. Um, so I was diagnosed on May 25th, 2003. Um, I was nine years old. It was actually um, two months before my 10th birthday, and my parents had recently gotten divorced, so it was already a tense time in my household, um, just dealing with the whole divorce and being a young kid and that kind of thing, and this getting thrown into the whole mix. Um, I was having some female problems, and for a nine-year-old, that's not normal, and so my parents decided to take me to the the closest physician and turns out doing blood work that I was type 1 diabetic and it was the most devastating news for me because I was terrified of needles. I was the kid that you had to hold down to do any kind of shots when you get the kid shots. Um, So then with that, they immediately told me to go to Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C. because my parents are from Maryland. And it was a really tense time as far as having both my parents in the same room and having to be polite with each other because they they didn't get along at all. And so having them in the same room and trying to deal with this tension and the divorce tension on top of it was, was a lot to deal with. And, you know, just kind of coping with the whole new changes of everything and how this is going to affect the rest of our lives and that kind of thing. Well, and I think, um, you know, for our non-diabetic listeners and family members or friends, I think, especially when you're diagnosed as a young kid, really everyone in the family gets diabetes. Um, So I think that's a good insight, really, that, you know, you're not the only one affected. Um, You know, everybody's there in the hospital and it's just another thing for everyone to think about. Um, 
But I also want to focus on what you mentioned about uh, being afraid of needles. How did you how did you approach that? What what was your do you remember what your response was like uh, when you found out you were going to have to get shots uh, multiple times a day? Um, to add to the whole family thing, um, I specifically remember my my grandparents had to stay with my brothers. I have two older brothers, and my grandparents had to stay with them while I was in the hospital. And my dad told me that my brothers were at each other's throats the entire time. And I, and it was because of the tension that was going on with everything, with the diabetes, with the divorce, with, you know, it, it affected everybody in our house. Like nobody understood what it was, but they knew it was going to be life changing and they had to cope with it and figure out what was the next step. So that was, I mean, it's life changing. So it was a big step for everybody in the family. Um, so that, yeah. Um, as far as the needles thing, I remember specifically my dad, he's always been that it was my diabetes that I, he wasn't going to be the one giving my shots because he wasn't always going to be around. I was going to grow up and I was going to be a teenager or a young adult and I was going to have to do it for myself. So I remember specifically sitting on the toilet when I was first diagnosed, I think it was a day after I got out of the hospital and I was crying on the toilet and I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And he was like, you have to do it. And he wouldn't let me leave the bathroom until I did it. And it was just tough love at that time, and I hated him for making me do it because, I mean, I was conquering one of my biggest fears at the time, but I had to. It wasn't a choice. And I think that's, I mean, that story is is really powerful, um, but also I think at some point, every diabetic, whether it's easy, some, I think for some people it's easier, uh, it's easier to set in than for others, than that like you really do have to do this or you won't you won't be healthy or you won't, um, you know, you saying the term, I think everybody always is like, well, I either do this or I die. And that's over a little bit over dramatic at some point, but really it is it like it is your diabetes. And I think, man, what a, what a hard place to be in. I think as a parent as well, um, you know, trying to, trying to be in that situation and do that. Cause I'm sure that was painful. Oh yeah. I mean, my, my, my every, every parent, I feel like that, that I follow that, has a, a child that's diabetic. I mean, they all say, if I could take it from you, I would. Um, and I believe that's true. I mean, it, it has to be the hardest thing for a parent to have a child that, that they can't do anything about. It's uncontrollable. Like, they can't control it no matter how hard they try. I mean, your blood sugar is going to do what they want. I mean, you can try to control it, but there's only so much you can do. And that's got to be so heartbreaking to just watch it because there's nothing you can do. And I think about sometimes how frustrated I get with, you know, even now, um, on days where my blood sugar should be great, uh, and it's just not, um, and you know, for, it could be 10, 20 different reasons. Um, you know, a lot of it is environmental and I can't even imagine how frustrating that would be as a parent, um, you know, with a, with a young child. Do you remember anything specifically, uh, any challenges other than the needles, um, that you faced sort of growing up with diabetes as, you know, going into your adolescent years? Um, I think for a long time, I well, having parents that are divorced, it, it kind of makes you lose yourself a little bit because there's so much going on all the time. I mean, if you have split households and all that stuff, but also just, I was in denial for a long time. I was like, this can't be my life. Like I can just go on without doing anything and I'll be fine. Cause there wasn't any immediate consequence. I, I was able to just kind of get by with the bare minimum and stay high for most of the day and I'd be fine. I'd take my Lantus and I would go to sleep and wake up the next day and it'd be all fine. But 
it got to the point where I had to accept it because it, well, I wasn't damaging anybody but myself. I was going to be the one that had the consequences. I, my parents weren't going to be the ones that lost toes and fingers and their sights and they weren't going to end up in the hospital. I mean, it killed them to watch it, but I was definitely a, one of those re rebellious teenagers that just didn't want to do it. And I mean, there's so much that your parents can like tell you to do, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's your body and you're going to choose what you want to do and that kind of thing. So, I mean, it was definitely hard on both ends. I mean, I fought with my parents a lot about it. I mean, I can remember my dad just being like, test, do your insulin, take your shots, that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's, it's your body. You have to take control of it. And at some point you have to like realize that you're not hurting anybody but yourself. And I think sometimes, especially when you're a teenager, that's a hard thing. Um, you know, it's part of growing up. You get to have that teenage angst and your hormones are all out of whack because of your insulin. And you're dealing with this new, uh, you know, learning your body as well as learning your diabetes. Um, really challenging sometimes. And I think part of what I've learned from the mentorship program that I've been going through with uh, JDRF um, has been that sometimes having someone who's not your doctor and not your parents um, telling you that it's going to be okay or, you know, answering questions or talking through certain situations is really helpful. Um, and so I think, you know, like, for example, let's, let's talk a little bit about today. You know, you have a pretty inspirational and very approachable, um, you know, Instagram account and brand online, uh, you know, promote, promoting health and wellness uh, and through your uh, type 1 diabetes. Talk about some of the experiences that you've had just interacting with other diabetics online. Um, I, I feel like that's exactly where I found the acceptance in it. Because for a long time, there were diabetics. I, I grew up in a small town, about 1,200 people. So it was a small town. There was two other diabetics that I knew. And, and the only connection that we had was because we were diabetics. And I mean, that's, that's a strong connection in itself. But if that's the only connection you have, sometimes it's just not strong enough to hang out every day or talk every day. But through Instagram, I was able to connect with other diabetics. And that was where I found that it was okay, that, that, that I needed to accept it and, and move on. There was nothing I could do that would change it. And if I could influence somebody else's life to like make them make that move of accepting it and just moving forward and be, being proud of what they were and how they are, then that would be okay with me. Because for a long time, I did feel alone because I didn't, I didn't know anybody else. And, and there's a stage where you, where you tell your parents or your teachers or your best friend that like your blood sugar is 350 and you've been insulin all, all day, but yet it's not coming down. And like they understand, but they only understand to an extent. So it's it's really hard when you're you're trying to voice yourself, but it it's only so. I mean, they only understand to a certain extent. So that's where I found Instagram has has it's a community. I mean, that's just the way I put it. I mean, I accept it and move forward and try to help somebody else who's struggling too. And I think that's been so cool for me too. Is like there's so many little pockets, um, and I think Instagram is probably the biggest. And you know, sometimes, you know, you met, you brought up a good point about not having much in common other than uh, diabetes. But I think I've learned as well that there's a lot of people out there who want to share their stories. Uh, just so, like you said, maybe it helps one person and that's worth it. Um, which is such a, you know, giving and like humble attitude to have. And I found so many people um, that are willing to give their time 
um, and thoughts and just energy, which is, you know, so valuable. You know, everybody's got so much stuff that they've got to do and take care of and responsibilities. Um, but there's sort of an outpouring of just support um, and, you know, love and community. And it's been really surprising and I didn't really know it was out there. And it's very, very cool. Yeah, I, I've really grown to love it. I mean, I can I can be who I who I want to be, who I who I dreamed I would be one day in front of everybody on Instagram. And there's no judgment. They there's so many people that would be like, oh, my gosh, I was in your shoes yesterday. Like, I feel the exact same way you're, you're feeling right now. And that's that's so overwhelming to feel like I'm not alone anymore. So let's talk a little bit about those hopes and dreams. I know uh, this episode is titled Diabetics Doing a Healthy Journey to Self-Love. So uh, talk about a little bit about what that means and uh, what that means to you and sort of what you're, what you're doing to help other people achieve that. Um, so at the beginning of the year, I, I realized that unless I took control of my blood sugars, my diabetes, my life, that things weren't going to be so pretty eventually. I wasn't seeing the repercussions of my actions now, but I would be seeing them later. And I'm 22 right now, so later down the road, I want to be able to have children. I want to be able to get married. I want to be able to see my grandchildren. I realized some of those things might not be possible unless I had my health. And so I realized I needed to make some serious changes in my life. So I I stopped drinking. I started exercising. I started eating foods that made me feel better, made me basically fueled my body for what I needed it. And foods that that made my blood sugars not act crazy. Um, so I started doing the beach body workouts. Um, the makers of P90X Insanity. Um, they do 22 minute hardcore, 21 day fix, hammer and chisel, those kind of things. Um, and I found another community that I loved. They 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 realized that you can be who you want to be and still succeed. That that diabetes doesn't have to stop you from doing whatever you want. Um, I thought for a long time, because I had diabetes, that I, I wasn't going to be able to exercise and reach my my health and physical goals because of the, the tackle of having lows in the middle of your workout or you know the lows in the middle of the night and eating something and, it, and it not working out because you had to eat that. Um, but I learned a way to cope with that. And I really just want to share that knowledge with other diabetics that you still can achieve those physical goals and those mental goals and get over those hurdles and do it a healthy way. You're not, you don't have to starve yourself and, and take all these, these pills and do everything. And, and for the most part, my blood sugars have reacted really well to the diets that I'm on because they're what your body wants to eat. It's, it's normal food. It's not not the processed like Chinese food that your your blood sugars hate. I mean, there there has to be a reason that your blood sugars go crazy over Chinese food because it's probably not good for you. Oh, <laughs> um, Chinese food's such a trap. Oh, it's, yeah, because so good. And but greasy. so I just wanted to share oh. that knowledge with other diabetics that that you don't have to be in this mental mindset that you can't do something because you have diabetes. Because I was in that trap for such a long time, and I was like, I can't do that because my diabetes is going to enable me. And I broke that trap, and now I'm where I'm going, and I'm not stopping till I can't do it anymore. <laughs> well, and it sounds like you know, with the path that you're on, that's going to be quite some time. Um, 
And, you know, I, it's interesting that you had that. Um, I think somewhere, I don't know, somewhere I always thought my, my mom was, uh, my mom owned a Curves franchise, uh, women's like workout center for like 12 years. So she, when I got diagnosed, she was um, a big part of me, you know, being on, starting off on the right foot, like knowing how to count my carbs and uh, making sure that I was eating the right things. And so I think somewhere, like, even though when I was like 20 and, uh, you know, really into like my mid twenties, I was just sort of eating whatever I want, wanted cause I had a high metabolism and I was super, super active cause I played basketball all the time at a really high level. And, um, so I was, my body was just a machine. It was, it would burn off whatever I gave to it. And my blood sugars reacted pretty much normal all the time. Um, but then, you know, I got done playing basketball, so I started, you know, working and sitting and there was just a whole lot less activity going on. And I think like somewhere along the line, I always knew I'd have to eat healthy and, and really dedicate myself to um, to living that healthy lifestyle. Uh, but then it just hit really, it hit when I was like 25 and I was like, wow, I really need to uh, start thinking long term, kind of like what you were saying. And um, so some friends of mine uh, were doing a whole 30 uh, and I did a podcast about that with the founder, um, Melissa Hartwig and, um, man, it was crazy how my blood sugars reacted. Like you said, it was like, there must be something to eating all this right food because your blood sugars react like almost instantly. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I can track, I mean, I have a CGM now and I can track everything and you can tell when, when I eat properly on certain days and when I don't, because my graphs are flawless on one day and all over the place on next. I mean, it, it has to be something to it. And that's, that's an interesting point you bring up as well is just like the data, you know, you, it's easy to look at a chart and say, okay, I see these big spikes. Like let's track that back to what it is. And then you look back and it's a slice of pizza or it's Chinese food. Um, but then on the days where you eat healthy, just seeing that nice, like flat, low curve, and um, I was having a conversation with another, uh, just via email, somebody had reached out about Whole30, and they were asking me about you know, how my blood sugars reacted throughout, and I said, hey, the best way to do it is just to make a spreadsheet and track your blood sugar whenever you test it every day, and just test it at the same time, So then, especially if you don't have a CGM. If you have a CGM, it's a little bit different. You have a little bit more resources, but this person didn't have one. Uh, and about two weeks later, they emailed me and they saw the curve and they were like, you know what? This made a huge difference and I could tell exactly where. So I think sometimes it's easy because it's easy to cop out of that because we have diabetes all the time. So it's like, I don't want to track every blood sugar I've ever had manually because that's just, that's a lot of work sometimes and we tend to get lazy. But, um, you know, for three weeks, four weeks at a time to just get that little sample, I think is super important. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. And another thing is that I've had so many, I mean, I have a couple followers on Instagram, but I get messages sometimes and they're like, they're from other beach body coaches like myself. And they're like, I see your great work through diabetes. Have you cured your diabetes with beach body? And I, I, uh, I just laugh. I'm, I'm like, please inform yourself of the difference between type one diabetes and type two diabetes. I may not have to take as much insulin when I'm on this diet, but it doesn't cure my diabetes. And it makes me so frustrated. And I'm like, America, please, please, please educate yourself. Because it's such a common misconception that diet and exercise can cure things. I mean, it helps tremendously. I'm not going to lie. Sure. But it doesn't cure anything. That was a conversation that I had. Somebody had reached out uh, over Instagram. A friend had tagged me in a post. Someone was looking for like a type one diabetes coach. 
and um, I, they were like, hey, you know, this this person doesn't want to take medicine. They they just got diagnosed. They don't really know if it's type one. We don't. We're not sure. Uh, but the doctors think it is, and she doesn't want to take medicine. She wants to do this. And I was like, look, first of all, slow down and listen to the doctor because this is a real thing. This is not just like a made-up disease. She may not feel that terrible, but you caught it really early. And second of all, there's no other option. You have to take medicine. And it's like, yeah, everything else will make it so much easier and so much more sustainable long-term. But, gosh, listen to your doctor, everybody. That's like the biggest thing. Um, yeah, self-diagnosis is never the answer. <laughs> it really isn't. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with, I think. Always, yeah. always trust the experts. All right, so are you finding that, um, you know, as you're an influential figure um, sort of out in the public eye on Instagram, um, you know, that people are reaching out to you and asking you questions? Um, more so than not nowadays, I, I get a lot of of how do you manage this as far as um, fitness goes for kids my or I guess young adults my age um, they I get a lot of questions on how to manage my lows when I'm on a diet and um, recently I've now gotten younger girls that are on Instagram and they say I've recently been diagnosed and I don't know how to handle it because I'm in middle school and for girls, middle school is so terribly hard to begin with. Um, and so I just tell them it's going to be okay. Um, I mean, it's hard and you're different and that's hard in middle school, but it, it's going to be okay for those girls. And I try to be there for them. I say, if you ever need anything, if you ever feel alone, if you ever feel like nobody understands what you're going through, reach out. There's a whole community of people on Instagram that are willing to talk to you more times than not. I, I mean, I've reached out to people that I didn't even know. I've messaged them and said, hey, I'm going through this. Have you ever gone through this? And and more times than not, they're willing to talk to you. And a lot of the time, people are so afraid to talk to people they don't know because they feel like they're going to be judged, that they're not going to understand what they're going through. And most of the time, the diabetics that you talk to have gone through it. If, they, if they've been diabetic longer than you, they've gone through it. And so I just want people to, to know that it's okay to reach out. Absolutely. And I think like... As especially, you know, as a young person, learning to ask for things uh, and being okay with that is such a huge skill to learn. I think, um, you know, I ask people now, uh, you know, just through this podcast and through, um, you know, trying to get involved with the different communities throughout the country. I ask people for more things now than maybe ever before. And I, I mean, knock on wood, but I have not been turned down like once yet. Everybody's so willing to help and so willing to offer insight. Um, and I think that's just a lesson we can all learn. I think is like, it's okay to ask for things and it's okay to need people's help. I think it's just a, it's just an important thing to always keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, I agree. I mean, everybody's, everybody's experienced different things and you can always learn from somebody else. I mean, your experience may be a little different, but you never know when you might encounter something like that. And to have somebody who's been through it is, is such a tremendous help because I mean, your doctor can give you the textbook information on it, but a personal experience is, is 10 times better and more helpful than that. And I think, you know, before we, before we kind of close out the interview, um, you know, with those people who are newly diagnosed in mind, or if you were going to look at yourself as a nine-year-old being diagnosed, um, 
what's the one thing that you would say to those people or to yourself? Um, I would say take it one day at a time. Um, looking, looking at it as like a long-term thing, it, it seems fatal because they never tell you anything good that comes out of it. And I can tell you a lot more good has come out of my diabetes than that. Um, with diabetes, I've, I've grown so many friendships with people that I would have never even had. I've, I've grown a brand that I can spread awareness about being a healthy diabetic. I've, I've influenced people to make a better change in their lives, not necessarily because they're diabetic, but because they say if, if she has diabetes and she can do it, then I can do it. And, and that, that gives me another reason to step foot on the floor every morning and say, I can handle today. And if I can handle today, I can handle the next day. And I take it one day at a time. And some days your blood sugar is just not going to work with you. And that's okay because tomorrow is a new day. And one day is not going not gonna to kill you, as they say. So just take it one day at a time and reach out to people. I mean, that really helps. I mean, I never did it as a young kid. And if I would have done it then, I, I probably would have had my A1Cs in, in range because – I felt so alone. I mean, my doctor was not a good support system, and I felt like I was I was doing it by myself. And so, reach out to people. That's fantastic, Sarah. Um, for our followers who are and our listeners who don't already follow you, where they can where can they find you on Instagram? Um, at Sarah K Hannon, and that's Sarah with an H, and Hannon is H A N N O N, and those are all N's as in Nancy. Awesome. Um, and what's next for you? Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, you're finishing up school, uh, what you got planned for the next, uh, what, what are we going to see next from Sarah Hannon? Um, I am kind of in that process of figuring it out myself. Um, I think I'm going to take my beach body coaching to the next level. So after school, I think I'm going to try and work it as a full-time business and see where that goes and hopefully some traveling and trying to find myself as a young adult. So I don't really know yet. Well, we look forward to uh, finding out with you, and best of luck. Thank you. All right, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. I keep getting emails at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com, so if you keep sending them, I'll keep answering them. Thanks a lot.